each time up the hill, I, I either hit a thousand watts or was right around that. Death Triathlon Show, episode five. Hey everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show. I hope that you have been enjoying the first episodes of the show so far. And just a little bit of admin before we dive into today's episode. Remember to send me your feedback, questions, and guest requests to my email at michael at scientifictriathlon.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter where my handle is at SciTriat, so that's S-C-I-T-R-I-A-T. Today's guest is none other than U.S. Olympic triathlete Ben Canute, who has been making great progress in the last few years on the ITU circuit, which is the Olympic and sprint distance races that make up the World Triathlon Series and also the World Cup, but the World Triathlon Series is the big dance for those of you who are not familiar with it and it's super exciting super intense the the level of talent there is incredible that's where gwen jorgensen has been the dominant force on the female side for example but yep yeah, so ben is an up-and-coming athlete he's 24 and this was his first olympic games and in today's show we talk about how that played out and also how he has been training for triathlon throughout his career basically because he's been at this for a long time starting when he was only eight years old and ben also talks specifically about what advice he would give to age groupers in regards to to their training and what you should do so without any further ado let's dive right into today's interview with ben canute today i'm excited to welcome ben canute professional triathlete from the united states who recently Last summer, competed in the Rio Olympics, and he also won the World Championships at the Mixed Relay of the ITU, together with his teammates Gwen Jorgensen, Kirsten Casper, and Joe Malloy. He has gone through the ranks of the USAT system and started competing in triathlons at a very young age, aged eight. And he went to the University of Arizona, won multiple honors as a part of the triathlon team there. And Ben, welcome and Let's dive into your career a bit deeper and dissect it. All right, awesome. Thanks for having me on. So can you tell us a bit about you started triathlon, as I said, at a very early age, and uh, you had your father as an inspiration for that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I guess um, you could kind of say I grew up in transition areas just a little bit. I, I was Some of my earliest memories are watching my dad do the Chicago Triathlon or the Lake Geneva Triathlon in Wisconsin. And I was always fascinated. We, we would watch the Ironman World Championships each year that it would come on that hour special. And yeah, from there, it was my parents and some people in my local hometown, some local triathletes kind of decided to, to put on a kid's triathlon and get some local kids involved. And that was the first one that I did at age, I'd say like eight. And then after that, there's a kids triathlon team kind of started up right after a year or two after that first triathlon I did. And I, I jumped at the opportunity to do that. And you're pretty young. So how old are you now? I'm 24. Just turned okay. 24 in December. Yep. And uh, at that point, was it common for kids triathlon teams to even exist? Because I know that still to this day in Finland, where I'm located, 
triathlon is not really a sport that many kids do. It's not just something that you can yeah. do. There are just a few. Yeah, no. Um, I would say that the guy who started it, Keith Dixon, he had a, a pretty big vision. He grew up in the competitive swim the in that pipeline toward the Olympics and everything. And he was very high performance minded. And I think that this idea for the kids triathlon, he took it because the triathlon, it was fairly new at this point, especially in the Olympics, but he saw an untapped opportunity to take kids from a young age and get them involved in an Olympic pipeline sport, kind of similar to how swimming works or how some people come up through running or, you know, just any sport. When you start young, you have a little bit more time to to realize talent or to realize that you really like this sport and gives you some more time to just be involved in it. So it, it was one of the, I would say it was the first organized kids triathlon team that was really high performance minded in the United States. Yeah, cool. And I recently had your current coach, Jim Vanson as well. And now he's apparently doing something similar with putting together a junior team there focused on elite performance or building, building future elites. So when you grew up then and uh, you entered high school and college, how did your career progress? Yeah, I was on the, the kids triathlon team through all of my youth elite career, which takes me up to the start of high school. And in the middle of high school, it, was, it came time for me to kind of go my separate ways a little bit from the team. And for those last two years, I was coached by a guy named Adam Zuko. And that actually helped a lot. It gave me a little bit of freedom to look at how far I actually wanted to pursue triathlon. And I think the main goal for me is I knew kind of, I wanted to take the professional triathlete route and kind of frame that whole last two years of high school into figuring out what's the best place for me to have a college experience and to also train for triathlon and advance my career each year. And after a lot of deciding and back and forth and looking at a lot of different schools, I settled on the University of Arizona in Tucson and for me, it had everything that I wanted. It had warm weather. Growing up just west of Chicago, the winters can get pretty harsh, and I wanted to be able to train outdoors. And it had a, a great triathlon community, cycling community, just great athletic community overall. But it also had a good university in the major that I wanted to study physiology. And it just had a, a good school spirit as well. So that's kind of my transition from high school into college. And I would say fairly quickly after getting to college, just after that first year, I was able to qualify for my pro card. And that's when USAT actually approached me and encouraged me to make the jump to the elite ranks and go to Europe for a month and do four races and four weekends and kind of get the experience and kind of to really reset the bar for my expectations and figure out what it would take to to be a professional triathlete. So had you had it pretty easy until then w winning most races and uh, and then you basically had to had to step up and take it to a whole other other level when you started competing at that new level going to Europe and everything. Yeah, I wouldn't say I had it easy. There were a lot of great US triathletes, especially the ones who are on my junior team and Jumping from youth elite to junior elite, you double the distance. It's not always easy, but I was able to be very successful at the at the national stage, racing around the U.S. And I got a little bit of taste of racing in Europe and against international competition at a few junior elite worlds. And that was kind of my first little intro to it. But it, it really was like the making that jump and going internationally. It, it is a whole another level. The U.S. is fairly good and fairly developed, but the real racing happens in Europe, just like 
just like cycling, I would say. So it was just the intensity of it every single weekend was much different from what I was experiencing. And I knew that I had to be on every time I stepped on the start line. There wasn't as much room for errors or anything like that. Right. And what was your training like when you were training at the University of Arizona? Yeah, it was good. I um I found actually a good pocket of triathletes with the triathlon club here. They were fairly new to the sport overall. They had done some running, some cross-country running in college, or some of them had swam. But for the most part, they were fairly new to the sport of triathlon, but they were very talented. And so I had kind of a good group based around me that could help push me in training. And the, the cycling is world-class here in Arizona with big group rides with some pro tour cyclists coming out here for the the Saturday shootout group ride. And I mean, swimming for me has has always kind of come a little bit easier, but it was, uh, I think it was just learning how to work smart and not just work hard because you have to balance school, a social life and training. And to me, it's very important to have a good balance of everything that's going on in my life because I think a typical thing for triathletes is to be all triathlon all the time, 100%. And I've fallen into that trap a little bit before. And that is when you tend to be overtrained or you tend to burn out a little bit and get mentally fatigued. So how many hours roughly per week are we talking about? I would say probably about 20-ish, like kind of give or take five hours, depending on what phase, like if I was in a volume phase versus a higher quality phase. And yeah, it, it kind of shifted as I went throughout because I was making the jump from more sprint races to Olympics. So we were just injecting in a little bit more volume. But I did find myself through those kind of earlier years in college having to to find some more areas where I could focus on quality or making sure that instead of just going out and doing all volume all the time, I had to maybe take some shorter workouts and inject more, get a more quality type of thing and make the most of my time while I could. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, and how has that evolved over time? Let's take it back even further to when you were in high school and, and even, even further back has at some point your training been mostly, let's say, technique and skills focused and very low volume. And, and when has that pendulum started to swing towards more high volume, even though it's not what like Ironman yeah. triathletes would do, obviously? Yeah. So, you know, I think even way back when I was a junior, if we start all the way back when I was a youth elite, our coach or the guy who started the team, Keith Dixon, he didn't really coddle us, I guess. It was very much an, an old school approach, an old school swim approach to it where we worked very, very hard. And I look back at some of those rides we did at 13, 14 years old and, and some of the swims and some of the runs and kind of shake my head a little bit and go, wow, we really worked hard. We had fun, but we did pretty decent amount of work for people our age. But I would say it starts off when you're younger doing just maybe one practice a day focused on maybe one of the sports, one or two of the sports, and half of that might be skill-based. And then you're putting in some work because the races are fairly short. And as you move up in distance, I've evolved from doing just that little amount to doing two to, to three practices a day. And 30 hour weeks. So, I mean, this week that I'm in right now is just over 30, but I'd say the training kind of ebbs and flows because there's years that you want to take and I've wanted to be run focused. And I know my sophomore year of college, I did really big run weeks, getting up to about 80 miles a week or something like that. And that's when the swimming and the biking kind of comes back. So 
it's it's kind of like a, a roller coaster, I guess. You want to have a period of focus where you can let your body adapt and kind of get used to a certain kind of training and then just inject in something a little bit different once you find yourself plateauing to kind of keep your body guessing a little bit because you're always trying to adapt and that's what helps your training move along. I'd say looking at it kind of big picture. Yeah, that's very helpful. And that's something that triathletes of any level, the age groupers listening to this show can apply as well, even if they don't train anywhere near as much as you do. But uh, the principles remain the same. But also one thing that I want to piggyback on is that you you still had that element of, of skill foundation training in your early years. And that's something that probably many age groupers lack, they don't have, and they go straight into hard training at a high volume compared to what they're used to. And that might in the long run, not be necessarily the best thing to do when when they could work on developing their foundations and and that will set them up for, for greater success in the long run. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I mean, I still even work on skills now and try and um, whether it's working on technique for my swim or pedal stroke for the bike or foot strike for the run, there's quite a bit of drills that get thrown into my training that count as a part of my total hours, as well as sometimes just straight focused skill work and sometimes it's skill work gets thrown in where it's a group ride and you you have to practice how to move through a group and kind of stuff that gets put into the training but i'd say that yeah it does help and it's it's kind of to get to that big volume too that that people like to do you have to you have to take a slow and steady approach because when you just make those big jumps those big leaps without having that foundation you were just talking about that's when injury starts to happen or overtraining and you can get up to doing many hours a week, but you can't just start at that right away. There has to be that base that you continually kind of add on to and also think about what other stressors are in your life because training is one stressor. It's the obvious one that everybody knows, but what people also don't think about is what's going on work-wise or sleep-wise or social-wise that's also kind of acting as a stressor and that can affect your training and your recovery and your performance. Definitely. One more question before we move on from the training topic. If you want to share what does a typical week at this point of year being in uh, in January now, as we speak, look like for you? Yeah. So, and actually for me, it's it's kind of shifting a little bit with, with Jim being my coach. Uh, we actually just started working more exclusively with each other just in October. And we've been doing a cycle of volume, then a volume week, an intensity week, and then a rest and test week. So like I said, right now is about just over 30 hours. And so there's a couple long runs in there. There's a couple long bricks. There's multiple three to four hour rides. And then kind of like swimming is kind of added in there, which it's not as much of a swim focused week. But yeah, there's I mean, when you're doing 30 hours in a week, I think most of it will come from riding a lot of times since it's low impact and you can have a certain amount of mileage a week. But riding is definitely one of the best ways to get an aerobic base besides swimming. But if you're looking for time wise, cycling is a very good way to do it because of the low impact and the amount of hours that you can put in. Right. That's very useful information to hear about the the way the professionals train. It's always interesting. So let's move on to the Olympics. You qualified for that in the in the qualifying race in Yokohama. In it was back in May in 2016, right? Yeah, that was uh, the end of five races that they had starting in 2015, starting with that Rio test event and kind of going through the the grand final in Chicago. 
And then the, yeah, that last race was Yokohama in May, probably. Yeah, it's about six months after that Chicago race. So what was, uh, what do you feel like when you found out that you had qualified and that you were going to the Olympics? Yeah, so it was kind of uh, crossing the finish line. I guess I knew about 95% that I had qualified because I had done the math because they take your best two of five races for the way the guys were qualifying. And um, I kind of knew where I needed to finish and who I needed to finish ahead of to get the spot. But there was still that waiting for the confirmation with USA Triathlon. And I didn't want to celebrate too soon in case there was some fine print that I hadn't read in the qualifications or something. So I was making phone calls and very excited after the race, but also trying to calm myself and other people around me down just in case because I didn't want to get my hopes too high and then have something. But to USAT's credit, they they set up their criteria and they stuck to it. And a little while later, I got the confirmation that I had done it. I think I was already back in my hotel room and was able to refone some people. And it, yeah, it's a strange feeling because you're it's something that I dreamed about since I was a, a youth and junior elite triathlete. And to actually have it happen, it, it almost didn't seem real. And did it change anything for the rest of your season leading up to the Olympics? Did you have to reschedule races or had you left it all open until you knew that you were going? I left it mostly open because in yeah, I kind of planned my season up until May. And every time I got questions like, what are you doing afterwards? There were some races that I had planned that I would do no matter what. It just kind of changed the lead up to the race. But yeah, it was all about May was my season would either like if I qualified, my big race would be in August at the Olympics. And if I didn't, then I was going to have to figure out and replan a little bit and figure out how I wanted to approach the season. But Thankfully, I was able to qualify, and so I had that A race already picked out for the year. So did that mean that you raced a bit less leading up to the Olympics after Yokohama than you would have otherwise? Yeah, for sure. I tried to pick my races pretty carefully as either to help me in training and kind of give me a, a good race simulation or as a tune-up race. So I think I only raced maybe a, a couple of times beforehand. Like the main ones were, one was at Alcatraz, the Escape from Alcatraz race, and then the other was the WTS race in Hamburg along with the mixed team relay. Yeah, so let's talk about that mixed team relay, especially since you won that with uh, your teammates. And how was that? Oh, it's great. I love the mixed team relay. I'm uh, really hoping that the Olympic Committee decides to to put that into the 2020 Olympics. because I think it's one of the, the most exciting formats in triathlon. And I've done that mixed team relay world championships for a number of years now. And, and it, it took a little while, but the US was finally able to take home the title. And that, that was one of the most fun races that I've had all year and all last year. So it was a whole lot of fun and really exciting to be a part of that team. Yeah, I was just reading on your website about your, your race review from that. And it seemed like it was a, a great report from the race. So I'll link it up in the show notes and, and people can go in and have a read. But yeah, it seemed super exciting. I unfortunately, I didn't watch that. But the event itself, the mixed relay, it's, as you say, super exciting, super intense. And I agree that they should make it an Olympic sport because that's one way I think that we can get more people to recognize triathlon as a great sport as a spectator as well, because it's it's so intense and, and it's so fast paced. Yeah. And I'd say too, if anybody does want to watch it, the the ITU, they do a great job on their, their live broadcasts of keeping those recordings on there. So if anybody has a password, you can always go back and watch it and see how exciting that the race actually is. 
yeah, it's like I don't know, ten dollars a year or something. It's nothing. Yeah. So de- <laughs> <Yeah>. definitely, <laughs> definitely go and watch that. So the Olympics themselves, then tell us about them. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I from the beginning of May, I had to. Well, once I qualified, I had to re reassess and figure out how I wanted to do at the Olympics, what my goals were. And I mean, my main goal was to to improve on what I had done in the Rio test event, which wasn't going to be difficult because the Rio test event the year before was not a good race for me. It was very bad. And so I wanted to be in the race and be a factor in the race through the swim and the bike and just be able to set myself up for the run the best that I could. And I tried to approach the games too as just any other race. And I think I did a fairly good job at that. There's obviously a certain amount of hype that goes into the Olympics, but USA Triathlon did a very good job at Once we got there and once we arrived, they did a good job at helping us out, getting us everything that we needed, putting us up in a place that that we recognized and that we were familiar with and that we felt comfortable in. And it pretty much just making everything easy for us. And even going back farther, I was able to to get away from a, a lot of the noise and go to a camp up in Flagstaff, Arizona, where it's kind of nice and quiet at altitude and just put in some good training before going to the games and I'd say everything led up fairly well, like especially with the information that I had at the time. I, I think I did everything right and had a very, very good swim and bike and was able to be with the lead pack through that first two thirds of the race and kind of hold on to a top 10, top 15 through the first couple laps of the run. But after that, I mean, the swim and the bike were some of the hardest that I've ever done. I mean, I could throw around power numbers if you want to hear them, but the, yeah, it, that, would, it just, that, would, that would be good to hear them. It's always fun yeah. to hear very specific details. Yeah. So, and I think Jim is actually working on a, a better analysis than this, but he had kind of taken a look at him and told me some of these numbers. I know each time up the hill, I either hit a thousand watts or was right around that within like whatever, a, a pretty close range. And that first 10 minutes of the bike where everything was sorting out, I was Uh, a normalized power of about 390 watts and I was at about 70 kilos for the race. So it, it was a really, really hard bike. And I think that just finally took a toll on me where like kind of redlining through most of the race. And, but for the last 5k, it was, it was all survival and just uh, readjusting the goals a little bit. First, it was like top 10 and then top 15, top 20. And then it was just getting to the finish line, but Overall, a great experience and very happy with the effort I was able to put out. Placing maybe not exactly where I wanted, but I felt like I, I couldn't have really set myself up better for the day. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need to have any regrets. You did everything that you, you could to rather than exactly. holding back and not really knowing what could have been. So what are your goals now going forward for 2017 and even more long term? Yeah, I'd say for this year, it's I kind of think of the this year and maybe a little bit next year is a little bit of a a reset button and kind of taking a breather. So I'll still race the the ITU circuit a bit and kind of pick my races a little bit carefully, but I'll also do some, some other racing like escape from Alcatraz. And there's a, a super sprint series in the U S that has started to get a little bit of steam called major league triathlon. And then I, I'll, I'll also have my debut 70.3 race in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and do a couple of those this year and kind of try the distance out a little bit. And then as far as kind of like long term, I'd like to take another stab at the Olympics and go in 2020. I, I feel like I, I have another Olympic cycle in me and I still feel like I can I can improve on where I finished and be a bigger factor in the race even in four years. But It's a little bit, it's hard to to say like, oh, I want to be there and I want to 
want to do this well because it's four years is a very long time and anything can happen but i am dedicated to trying to make another go at it and then uh yeah if you want to look even longer term that's probably where some some long course racing will come in with more halves and possibly even uh, a shot at kona someday exciting stuff so but obviously it's a, a long way long way out yet so good luck with that next olympic cycle and if you want to you you would probably have two or even three in you would just look at Javier gomez okay he wasn't at the olympics yeah. but but he was bar injury he would have been and and yeah he's got he's got a bit more years in his in his legs than you do so everything is possible one more question that i have that is related to your background and starting out and coming through the ranks as a very young triathlete is do you have any tips for young triathletes that are in the situation that you were as young and promising triathletes coming up, going through the ranks? And do you have any anything that you would want to say, any tips for parents and coaches or young triathletes? Yeah, I'd say uh, my answer kind of gets it has both of those. It's kind of advice to to everybody almost. But when you're first starting out and you're learning new skills and everything, it's to it's to have fun because that's the most important part, and that's why we all like to do triathlon. We all enjoy swimming being out on our bikes and running and i mean the the growth at a young age it could be pretty exponential and it's just to to encourage them to kind of keep going out and keep doing it and you have plenty of time like if you want to do this sport for the rest of your life you it's one of those sports that you can so just take your time have some fun don't be in a huge rush like results when you're 13 to 15 years old or even up from 16 to 19 i didn't win every race i didn't have an exceptional junior career like some guys did so there's always plenty of time and you can always keep learning as long as you're having fun once you stop doing that and i mean once i stop having fun that'll probably be when that'll be the time when i hang up my shoes and everything so that's that's obviously like the the most important part i think great and i have five rapid fire questions for you with just short and sweet answers so what's your favorite book blog or resource related to triathlon Lava Magazine, I think. They've had some good stuff in the past. And what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Probably my bike. And it'd be a hard choice between the, the Madone and the Speed Concept for Trek bikes. What's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Always pushing myself to do a little bit better in each workout. What's your favorite race? I'd say my favorite race would have had to have been the Kitzbühel Triathlon, when we, but the year that they raced up the mountain. So I think that was 2013. That sounds really cool. I, I'd like to do that. And finally, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. What do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some point earlier in your career? I wish I had listened. I've been told this throughout my career, but no one race makes or breaks your career. So when I was a junior, I always thought junior nationals was like the biggest race in the whole entire world. But if you go back, whatever, 10 years, I probably couldn't tell you who the junior elite national champion was. So I'd say, like, don't build up any race too big to build it up bigger than it actually is. Mm, very good. So finally, is there something you want to plug? Any sponsors you want to point out? And uh, how can people connect with you? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do a little bit of a plug. Uh, I've got some great sponsors. Everybody from the swim company tier to Trek to Hoka. USA Triathlon has played a huge role in helping me move my career along, as well as the New York Athletic Club. Those are kind of just kind of like a rapid fire, quick ones. But if you really want to get kind of all the information on me and especially what other sponsors I have, my website is a good place to start. There's a whole sponsorship page as well as following me on social media. And 
I think all of my tags are just at Ben Canute. So it's fairly easy to, to find me out there. Yeah, and you had, as I said, some very good race reports from the Mixed Relay World Championships and yeah. the Olympics as well on there. I really enjoyed reading them. So we'll put links to your website in the show notes. I definitely got a kick out of that show and talking to Ben, it was great to hear a professional triathlete and how they train, how they are able to push themselves and in training and in racing. So I really enjoyed that part of, of this interview. And a few things to follow up on from the interview is make sure you go to Ben's website, which I'll link to in the show notes over at thattriathlonshow.com because he has really great race reports there from the Olympic Games and from the ITU World Championships on the Mixed Relay. And also we talked a bit about triathlonlive.tv. So now that the ITU and the World Triathlon Series is starting again pretty soon in March, so this is the time to sign up for the coming year. And as we talked about, it costs basically nothing and you get really good entertainment. I use it on a lot of my indoor training rides. So that's definitely good value for money. A couple of my main takeaways from, from this show were how Ben really pushes himself to be better and better in every workout. And one thing that I kind of read into that was how groups and a support team has helped him achieve that. He has been surrounded by other triathletes in the kids triathlon team and at the University of Arizona with great group rides and all those things. He has had great coaches throughout his career that has helped him and held him accountable and helped him push to new levels. And obviously as a professional, he has access to a lot of support from other instances. The USAT probably do a good job of providing him with uh, physiotherapists and nutritionists or if that's what something that he needs and so on and so forth. And speaking of coaches, Jim Vance will be on the show in a coming episode. Jim Vance is coaching Ben. And when I interviewed Jim, because I've already done that interview, he talked about how he's been using running power meters with Ben to, to try to see if they can improve his run by utilizing that technology. And another thing, Ben talked about the 1,000 watts that he pushed in, in that Rio Olympic Games. And Jim has now finalized that article and it's up on Training Peaks. So I'll also link to that article in the show notes. And it's a good article by Jim. So I highly recommend that you go and read that. And it has some good data if you want to geek out on, on that kind of stuff. So to wrap up, go to thattriathlonshow.com if you want to see the show notes for this episode. and. If you like the show, I always ask you to share it with your friends. That's the best way that you can help out and keep the show going. And remember that you can still enter the contest to win a $50 Amazon gift card. So just go to thattriathlonshow.com to look up details and enter that contest. In the next episode, it will be a solo episode where I'll cover a few racing tips on how to actually perform in the race itself. So this is when you're in the water swimming or on the bike riding or on the run not any preparations or any of that stuff it's what you can do in the race itself thank you for listening to the show i appreciate you keep training smart and keep loving triathlon